Right then, hope you are, ladies and gents. So I thought I'd do another little podcast, uh, the little bit in the news about Orissa keeps coming up, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> it just seems to me pretty basic, right? You start with manners. You start with being pleasant to one another. What about talking about warm, welcoming and friendly? Uh, that's your facial expression, your tone of voice, your body language. I talk about shape answers every single time, a full sentence. Hand away from your mouth when you speak. You articulate, you deliberately... You deliberately articulate, you deliberately do not mumble. Uh, you project your voice so the whole room can hear you. You present with confidence. You make confident eye contact. All of those things are, well, they can be habits that you acquire and practice over time. But the opposite is also true. And that's why I made up the acronym SHAPE many moons ago. I think it was originally called HEAPS. And I think it was Joe Kirby said, why don't you move it around and make it SHAPE, which was much better SHAPE. Um... But yeah, get kids to speak in full sentences because invariably they will speak, they will give at school, they will give monosyllabic responses. They will speak with their hand over their face, their hand over their mouth. They will deliberately mumble. They will not project so you can barely hear their their answers. Um, They look away, they won't look at you when they talk to you or even when you just greet them. Now, obviously, there will be a contingent on Twitter say, oh, the children are obviously traumatised. No, this is, these are just bad habits. Now, some kids are very shy, so if they're very shy, you're going to work with them to make them less shy. Are you just going to perpetuate that, are you? You're going to perpetuate the fact that they give monosyllabic, inaudible uh, responses and they can't look at people. So how are they ever going to find a partner? How are they going to get a job? What are they going to do at interview? How are they going to manage in a shop, in a cafe, in a bar, in a restaurant? How are they going to be part of society? You know, let alone, I mean, when they're obliged to do a foreign language and they've got to speak in a foreign language, an oral exam, which I don't agree with either, uh, or they've got to do some kind of oral presentation at GCSE English. You know, regardless of all that, just how do you function in society if you won't look at people and you grunt? But we allow it. We allow it. We do not socialise kids very well at all. Teachers, well, somebody's socialising kids. You go to some schools and the kids are incredibly articulate. But you go to many, many schools and the kids, because there's that enmity between adults and children, because the teachers are seen as the enemy and you must not collude with the enemy, the kids are looking and they're going, well, what do I do to fit in? Oh, well... I mustn't collude with the enemy. I mustn't speak to teachers. I mustn't show enthusiasm. Showing enthusiasm isn't cool. Joining in, being articulate, isn't cool. Now, on some levels, I've always thought, boys being articulate, well, you know, joining in, being articulate, using long words, well, that can be considered a bit effeminate, a bit gay. There's always that. There's always been that. Um, you've got to fight that. Okay. Um... But boys often will join in more. I'm seeing more and more of a problem with girls who they speak in this tiny little voice. They won't join in. They giggle. They look away. They're they're not comfortable shaking hands. We're not challenging them. And I always keep saying, but none of your women teachers talk like that. All of the women teachers in the school, they project, they fill the room with their university voices, I always say. They give assemblies. But there's something, and it's it's peer pressure. It's girls policing girls and boys policing boys. We don't 
give full sentences. We don't join in. We don't project our voices. What we do about that, um, other than just be... I don't want to say hectoring, because that's not really what I mean. Um, present up front and say to the kids, listen, this isn't good enough, right? At this school, what we do, what the norm is in this school is, we speak in full sentences every time. Excuse me, sir, I've forgotten your name. The response isn't Johnny. The response is, oh, my name's Johnny, sir. So you give them all of these anecdotes. You give them all of these examples. Because when you say, Johnny, what do I know? You're just grunting at me. Now, again, there's a... There's kind of an unwritten rule there to be, what's it, this is, is it strong, dark and silent or something like that? There's some kind of caricature about men who aren't articulate. It's a manly thing to be inarticulate. Boys somewhere, I think, are picking up on that. But we have to, we also have to pick up on that and to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Of course you're going to speak in full sentences. Of course you're going to be articulate. Because this is what we do in this school. Whatever happens outside Come across that threshold, this is how we talk to each other. So when I go, oh, sorry, sorry, sir, I've forgotten your name. And the kid goes, Johnny. And you turn that round and you go, no, no, what we do is, or you preempt it before it even happens. Oh, my name's Johnny, sir. It comes across as polite. You tone, because you're giving me a full sentence. I've got a little bit of feeling for your body language, your facial expression, your tone of voice, your choice of words. You're ending the sentence with Sir and Miss, which is very polite. I often call you Sir and Miss. What's the capital of France? Paris. What's the capital of France? Oh, the capital of France is Paris, sir. I can sense. Are you begrudgingly answering? Are you working with me? Are you working against me? Are you projecting to the whole room so the whole room hears you? Because if you're not projecting to the whole room and I'm having to repeat your answer or... I'll reword your answer because you didn't, you made very little effort in your answer, then there's something seriously wrong, isn't there? And that can't be your habit. I can't allow that to become your habit. Because if you keep doing that, well, how are you going to manage your job interviews, college interviews? Sixth form, you'll want a part-time job. You'll want a part-time job. And when you go in there, you, you won't be able to articulate. You won't be able to speak to the person, and maybe a, a manager of a supermarket, whatever it is, and you go for a part-time job and you want to um, have a part-time job in sixth form, packing shelves. Well, how are you going to speak to him? You're, just, you're going to look down. You're not going to make eye contact. You're going to speak in one-word answers. And then you're packing shelves and some woman comes along and or some bloke comes along and they say to you, uh, excuse me, I'm looking for, you can't make eye contact with them. You, you, you're not able to say, oh yeah, no problem, just follow me. I'll show you, it's on, on aisle seven. I'll show you now. So you're going to be uncomfortable like that? These are basics in life. You're going to go into a shop and say, excuse me, have you got this in a size? Can you manage that? These are just norms. These are social norms. Social. On another level, it's social niceties that we're just not teaching kids. Because so often I see kids giving really inarticulate, deliberately inarticulate responses, deliberately one-word answers, deliberately their hand over their mouth, deliberately mumbling, deliberately not projecting, deliberately looking away. They're doing that for social acceptance amongst their peers. But yet, when, when they do that, um, again, the adults are going, oh, that's great, Johnny, that's amazing. Now, whether the adult always does that, I think possibly they do it a lot because it's a habit they've got into the adults, but they certainly do it when they're being observed. Because 
I see, I talk about teachers being bigger versions of themselves and being pantomime. What that means is, I need you to be unambiguous and I need you to, to demonstrate to kids what warm, welcoming, friendly looks like, what courtesy looks like. But it can't be a one-way street. And it is in schools. That's why kids, very often, too often, and that's why kids are so inarticulate so often. Adults might do the jolly, jolly show, certainly when they're being observed because they think that's what's expected of them, but they don't demand the same from kids. So kids come along the corridor, kids are coming through the, the gates in the morning. It's considered good practice these days to be at the gate in the morning. Or the teacher's saying, morning, morning, morning. You get nothing from the kids. I'll sometimes stand there with a head teacher and I'll say, well, these kids, they're, they're not friendly, are they? Oh, no, they're really good. They're... Look, you're kidding yourself. Stop it. Stop pretending your kids are pleasant to people. If they don't know people, the vast majority of them are very rude. They won't make eye contact. They won't look at you. They don't say good morning. Their facial expression, they're practicing being really grumpy. So all of that is the foundation of oracy. Children who are fighting adults will not be articulate when they won't even attempt to have a conversation with an adult. They won't even attempt to answer a question in a warm, welcoming and friendly way. When we ask questions, are we asked for hands up? How many kids put their arm up in, in a manner that says, oh, I really can't be bothered with this. I really don't want to be here. And their, their body language, their facial expression, their tone of voice, their choice of words, it all says, no, I can't really be bothered. They're doing that to fit in. So in a school, your only hope is to tackle that culture directly. Do podcasts for parents. Tell parents, listen, we're going to be working on kids' um, oracy. What that means is I want them to be polite. I want them to be as polite to us as we are to them. I don't want them to come in being grumpy. How many kids do you say, hello, Johnny, how are you? All right. And we accept that. No, that, that's use these anecdotes before it happens. Right. If we're going up to you and we're saying, hello, Johnny, how are you? I'm not expecting. You all right? I'm expecting. Oh, well, thanks, sir. How are you? It's polite. We're extra polite. We're at school. This is the workplace. You're at work. We're at work. If you're worried about something, tell us. You see, when I say, I expect the default to be, hello, Johnny, how are you? Oh, well, thanks, sir. How are you? Oh, that's terrible. What about the children's mental health? No, stop this. We're teaching them social niceties. If you're worried about something, Johnny, you say, I'm fine, thanks, sir, actually, but I was wondering, could you help me with? Great, we'll help you. But if you're practicing walking around being deliberately negative in your facial expression, tone of voice, body language, in your choice of words, if you're grunting at teachers, you, that is, what do they say? Everything's communication. Every action or behavior is communication. That is communication. You're communicating. I don't want to talk to you. You're communicating. I'm going to be deliberately rude to you. Now, the root cause of that is probably I don't feel as a child it is socially acceptable in this school to be polite and warm and friendly and collaborate with the enemy because in too many schools the adult is seen as the enemy we're not tackling it this is why i advocate you know teachers they do a lot of uh, hello johnny shirt in please so it's pleasant enough johnny tucks his shirt in Barely looks at you, twists his face, body language, facial expression, very negative, no warmth, no sense of um, 
a relationship there. He doesn't actually say anything. He kind of half tucks his shirt in to the bare minimum he can, and the teacher usually lets him get away with that. So I'm always going to advocate, hello, Johnny, how are you today? You well? Johnny has to respond, yeah, I'm well, thanks, sir. Then I'm waiting. Then Johnny, because we've trained him, goes, and how are you, sir? Ah, oh, very well, thanks, Johnny. Any plans for the weekend? We have a little conversation. And then I'll say, Johnny, do me a favour, take your shirt in, please, sir, all the way around so you look nice and stylish. I'll usually say something like my usual silly lines. You can try and be as stylish as me. Go on, try, try. You get a little smile out of Johnny. You're building a little relationship. I don't want it to be, hello, Johnny, can you shut your shirt in, please? Johnny does it grudgingly. And what I'm reinforcing there is, he doesn't give me eye contact, his facial expression is rude, his body language is rude. He doesn't actually acknowledge me in terms of speaking. That's why every single interaction, hello, Johnny, how are you? I'm waiting. Did you ask me how I am, Johnny? I'll prompt him with that usually. But give them these anecdotes in advance so they become really, really at ease talking to adults. When you know, we've got all this staff these days. We'll often have senior team at the gate as they're coming in. The senior team barely speak to the children. Or if they do, they accept a real, oh, really apathetic, it's passive aggressive, isn't it? A response that's, oh, God, no. So when they're coming in, and it's a trickle when they come in in the morning. It's not that tsunami that you get in the last three minutes when people are, you know, are just trying to make the bell. They can have a straight line, ladies and gents, looking smart. Can you take your shirts in? Make sure it's looking good, please. And let's throw the skirts out, ladies. And also earrings. Just one earring. Thank you very much indeed. You're looking very smart indeed. I know it's easy to forget the earrings from the previous night. They're nice. Put them away. Don't want to confiscate them. They're nice earrings. But they're just not for school. Thanks very much indeed. Right, ladies and gents, as you come past, you're going to say two words. Two words. Makes me a happy man. Morning, sir. Morning, sir. Morning, sir. I want good eye contact and I want a bit of volume, please. If I can't hear it, I'm going to make you say it again. Oh, stop again. Bit louder. Bit louder. I'll do it. Then there'll be another member of staff further down the path. Slow them down again. Then another member of staff. If every member of staff is out a corridor changeovers, lesson changeovers, if we finish our lessons on time and we train staff to do this, if we train staff at break time and lunchtime to talk to children, not just teachers, break and lunchtime, they talk to their colleagues, they don't talk to children. Break and lunchtime, teachers stand away from the children. It's fearful, I don't want to talk to the kids. Yeah, because the kids are often quite rude. Break and lunchtime, we've got to train teachers. We've got to give them a lesson change of us. We've got to give them something to talk about. So we do poetry, so we do times tables, so we ask the capitals, so we ask any golden tickets, any merits. Teachers often aren't very good at making conversation, making small talk with kids. Kids aren't very good either. So it's the parting of the waves. Parting of the waves, parting of the ways. I think that's the expression. I'm going to look it up. Um, come on. Children often aren't well socialised by their parents. Or they may be, but then when the kids get together with their peers, they go, oh, this is a different environment. Because kids can be very different at home to when they, how they are at school, genuinely. Parents always say that. Parents always go, oh, but Johnny's amazing at home. He's just awkward at school. It must be the school's fault. Mm. I take that with a pinch of salt. But kids can be very different at home and at school. That I agree with. But then it's our responsibility if we if we want to take control of our culture to go, right, we're going to teach kids to be 
full sentences, hand away from mouth, articulate, project, good eye contact. And that's only going to happen if we have lots and lots and lots of conversations. It's just passing, passing niceties. Hello, Johnny, have a nice weekend. We'll we'll train them. You too, sir. Every time a kid says you too, sir, thank you very much. Three magic words. But we, because if only some teachers are doing this, it will dilute the message. It will undermine the message. So we have to train staff. Train staff through podcasts. Train staff through dropping into lessons and modelling. Train staff through being big in the yard at break, being through walking the talk yourself as SLT. So many members of SLT skulk. They don't meet and greet in a warm, welcoming manner. Well, if you're in that school and you're the head, you need to be training up that SLT. You need to be modelling that. You need to be the cheerleader yourself. And be honest, say, listen, it isn't my natural style. I am out of my comfort zone. But I'm doing this because we need to develop kids' social skills. Their oracy, for want of a better word. Their ability to, hello, how are you? Oh, well, thanks, how are you? I was talking to somebody the other day, a friend of mine. I think his son's in year eight. Lovely kid, lovely kid. Unusually nice. But then we meet these unusually nice kids in schools, don't we? And we go, oh, what a lovely kid. Why aren't we asking, why does that kid stand out? That kid should not be unusual. But anyway, a mate of mine and his... Uh, your eight son, and they went for a walk. The dad and the son all very nice. Um, I was just thinking about his little sister who makes me laugh as well. But anyway, the son, and he gone for a walk with uh, with the dad, and and they met another bloke they know who was with his son. The son was about twenty, and the the fourteen year old, thirteen, fourteen year old son was God that, that boy twenty. He was he was like he was friendly, wasn't he? And he talked and. And he didn't grunt. He said, I, I don't meet many young lads that age who are friendly and, and, and don't kind of posture and try and present. I think it's a macho thing. I think it's a I'm inarticulate, so it makes me very masculine thing. There are lots of issues we've got to get to at the heart of socialization, socialising kids in schools and gender stereotypes, right? Boys like to live up to a gender stereotype. Girls like to live up to a gender stereotype. We need, to, we need to challenge those stereotypes. In terms of boys grunt, women speak in tiny little voices you can't hear, they giggle. No, we're all articulate. We can all shake hands properly. There was a time I used to shake a lot of hands. I do, I still shake a lot of hands. I more tend to wait for them to shake my hand than me offer it first. And when I do that, I get lots of handshakes from boys. I get very few from girls. I think we need to be reclaiming that. We need to be teaching girls to shake hands properly. Because the giggles, the looking away, the they're just they're ill at ease, too many of them. Boys and girls being ill at ease with talking to adults on an on a on an let's call it I'm I'm doing air quotes on an adult level. The social niceties. I always say, listen, I want our kids, working class kids, that go to state schools, I want to have them, I always reference Johnny Porter, you know Johnny Porter, he was a, a, a teacher at Michaela, and then he became a deputy or whatever, but I mean, what was he, 24 when I met him? A kid to me, an absolute kid, but privately educated, 
very articulate, very confident. I want them to have the confidence of a Johnny Porter. I want them to, hello, pleased to meet you. Confident, not cocky. Confident, not cocky. I want our kids to have that. I want our kids to have the confidence that a lot of privately educated kids have. Now, where that comes from, whether it's a mix of parents, it's got to be a mix of parents, isn't it? Parents in school and just your social norms and what your peers consider normal. But we're going to have to fight the peer pressure in many of our schools to fit in with grunting, inarticulate, eyes down, not collaborating with the enemy. So practically, every opportunity to talk to kids, have a little exchange, we've got to seize it. And then we've got to correct them when they're not up to the standard we want and stop giving them false praise. When they give, what's the couple of Paris, Paris Johnny? Sorry, what's the couple of France Johnny? Paris. That's amazing. Stop doing that. Say, oh, here we do full sentences. Project, I want 10% loader. Still not 10% loader. I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to use other people and then I'm going to come back to you. They're not cooperating. They're deliberate. Give them sanctions. Give them demerits. Make that the norm. Train them first, train them in the expectations first, and don't set up a school system where teach Mrs. Jones, period one, allows them to grunt. Mr. Evans, period two, makes them project. Um, I don't know, Mr. Thomas, period three, lets them grunt again. No, our consistency will be what changes the kids. The norms that we create and we lead. Listen, was it 39 weeks they have with us? 32 and a half hours a week? Beyond school, something else is probably being um, reinforced again and again and again. To grunt, to be inarticulate, to uh, be quite rude, is probably being reinforced. It's peer on peer. This is how we. This is how we behave. Look how kids can be on buses. Look how kids can be in local shops. People don't like going on buses with lots of kids. People don't like going to local shops when it's a, a time when lots of kids will be there because the kids generally aren't very pleasant when they're amongst themselves. Now you get them in a smaller group or you get them by themselves, they can be better, they can be much nicer because there isn't the need to conform to this I don't, I don't fraternise with the enemy, the enemy being the adults. We've got lots to do there in schools, but none of this is going to happen miraculously. None of this is going to happen just by itself. And you know, next time you see a lovely kid, and I'm thinking of a, well, it's a teacher friend of mine um, and her son, again, I think is in year eight. What a lovely kid. But that's because of what she's done. Now, he's really on inarticulate in lessons. But he does it because he doesn't care, really. He's like, I'm going to be articulate. I'm going to use good words. I'm, I'm going to give full, full sentence responses. I don't care what people think. But he knows he's booking the trend. He knows he is not conforming to the social norms amongst his, his peer group or his male peer group. And of course you want the other lads to accept you. Because if other lads accept you, then girls will accept you. And it'll go cut both ways across the genders. Groupthink. We conform. We conform. We want to be part of the tribe. I get that. Absolutely. It's human. It's always been the case. We want to be part of the tribe. But we've got to change. In school, we've got to change the norms of the tribe. And we have got to be the authority figures who decide the norms of the tribe. And too often in schools, it's peer on peer deciding what are the norms of the tribe. 
Are boys insulting to girls? Do girls dress in a provocative manner? Um, it goes on. What are the norms of the tribe in the school? Well, we should be the, the, the tribal chieftains as the adults. We show the kids what the norms of the tribe are. And let's make them warm and welcoming and friendly. Let's make them, in our facial expression, our tone of voice, our body language, the choice of words we use, let's make that the norm. How we answer questions, how we support each other, how we shake hands, how we meet, how we greet, how we wish each other, have a nice weekend, how we say on a Monday, have a nice weekend, sir. Make that the norm. This doesn't happen by accident. It takes by constant attention to detail. People will often go, Barry, you must be tired. Of course I'm not tired. This is just a habit. This is just a habit. Are you tired because you brush your teeth? Are you tired because you have a shower? Are you tired because a million and one things that you do without thinking? But we need to get that point, and it takes training, where teachers, just as the norm, model courtesy. Model full sentences, model good projection, model social niceties, and insist that the kid does it as well, doesn't just, it's not, it can't be a one-way street. The adult models the social nicety. Hello, Johnny, how are you? And he teaches the kid, Johnny, your turn, you ask me now. Anyway, that's that. As ever, if you want CPD with me, uh, drop me a DM uh, on Twitter, modern languages stuff, French stuff, love doing that. But most of my stuff is culture and behaviour. Obviously, teaching is, is all part of that. You can't separate them. Um, and that's why I never understand these structures. I'm in charge of behaviour. I'm in charge of teaching and learning. Huh? Never understand. The head's in charge of teaching and learning. The head's in charge of behaviour. The head's in charge of culture. And then the head works with the team so the team can create a culture that um, well, is in the head's image. That's how I see it anyway. It's funny, because when I work with heads, you know, there there, there is certainly amongst a lot of heads, well, my job is finance, and my job is HR, and my job is buildings. The most important job in the school is creating the culture. That's your job. Have those meetings after four o'clock. Anyway, that's another topic for another day. DM me if you fancy a chat. Always happy to chat. And uh, have a lovely day. Cheers.